You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start there in verse number 5. Starting in verse number 5, and this is not a new text to you. I know these stories is, is very familiar. Is this all right if I illustrate this morning? Philippians chapter 3 and verse number, and verse number 5. Take me a minute to get there. I'm going to use Lane this morning also, but... I'm going to lay a foundation, and I'm going to illustrate several different things today. The Bible says the Apostle Paul writing here, and I want you to look at this. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, well, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Think about that. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him. That's powerful. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means that I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, look at verse 13 and 14, and we're going to back up and look at all of these later. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And we'll read that again. I will press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to minister for a moment this morning and illustrate a, a couple of things on this thought. Becoming Christ-like. Becoming Christ-like. If you don't have your Bible, in a moment we're going to be looking along on uh, all of these texts and looking uh, at these several different scriptures. And I encourage you, follow along with us. you got to see the text. you got to see the scripture this morning. Will you help me pray that God will do a work today? Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And we thank you for the opportunity one more time to be in your house with your people, God, to lift up the name of Jesus and to edify our faith today. I pray, God, that you would move up on our ears, that we may hear properly our hearts, that they would be open to receive your truth. And God, anoint my lips to deliver this already anointed word. And Lord, I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, the glory, and honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. Well, last week I, I began, uh, well, I'm going to begin the same way as what I did last week. We, last week we talked about growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm hoping today to reinforce some truths that will help you with your walk with God and to help you, especially if you're a new Christian, a new believer that just gave your life to the Lord. I want you to know what happened when you gave your heart to God, and I want you to know what all God has done, though I can't touch them all. I want you to know what the Lord has done for you so that you can be successful in your walk with the Lord. I want you to understand this morning that Jesus didn't save you so that you could fail. He didn't save you just so that you would fall short from reaching this mark of the high calling of God. He saved you so that you can be changed and that you can be transformed into his image. And I want you to understand this truth, and, and I'm going I'm to reinforce it with some scripture. Listen, I don't care who you are, and I don't care where you've been. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done this morning. Anybody and everybody can be saved and be free from anything and everything because God has provided everything you need, 
in your life, in your situation, in order to reach the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Everything's been provided for you. And if anybody would refute that truth, anybody would say, well, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've done, you don't know what I'm wrapped up in, I just don't think it's possible. Here's the bottom line. Either you or God is wrong. You or God, one or the other, is wrong. And if you are right, Jesus did not accomplish everything. Jesus did not provide everything on the cross of Calvary. And we're all doomed anyway. But the truth of the matter is, ever since Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, there have been multitudes of people that have been experiencing a true born-again experience, being changed by the power of God, allowing grace to flow in their life. So you've got testimony after testimony. Paul said, I'm surrounded by a great amount of witnesses that already tells me if I will place my faith in Jesus and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary... By the grace of God, I shall make it today. So the truth of the matter is we can become Christ-like. Listen, you can become Christ-like. We can become what Jesus wants us to be in our life because of everything that he has provided. Our number one mission, and rightfully so, is to preach salvation to those that are lost. Nothing more important than that. Nothing more important that we have to talk about. Men, uh, husbands of your home, there's no more important conversation that you have than to make sure that your family is being led in the way of the Lord. But with that, we have to address the day-to-day problems that, that we now experience that the believer will face. Just because we got saved, I know I'm repeating some things you already know, but if uh, Christianity was a ship, it has not been a cruise ship, it's been a battleship. And so we understand it's been a battle. It's been, it's been something that uh, the, the, the war that the Apostle Paul talks about that is going on in my members is a real war that I'm engaging into. And it's not a war where I can just handle it. What I'm finding is if I try to handle it on my own and the things that's going on inside of my heart, I'm losing every time. But if I keep my faith in Christ and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary, well, I can experience victory after victory after victory after victory. So we have to address these problems, church. We have to address some things if we're going to continue in the life of living for Jesus Christ. Nobody yet has ever given their heart and their life to the Lord without Satan trying to stop us. (laughs) You're not the chosen child. Nobody yet has given their heart to the Lord and Satan says, oh, whoa, I'll just back off and let them go ahead and be what God wants them to be. No, sir. No, ma'am. He doesn't do that. What he does is he sees the target up on her back. He sees a hedge around about us and he does everything he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I hate to give the devil credit, but he's good at what he does. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to hit us and he knows how to hit our family. And so the devil is there trying to destroy that relationship with the Lord. But I want to tell you and reassure you that we can make it today. We can live this new life and we can have a life full of joy and peace and enjoy living for the Lord. It does get sweeter each and every day. Jesus made provision for us and for all of those that have already made it so that we can be what Jesus wants us to be. Last week I talked about growing into grace. I'm going to get to my illustrations very quickly. We touched on Romans 7.15 and we looked at the problem of what I want to be doing is not what, I'm, what, not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. And it's a big bummer when you look back and know that you just blew it. Amen. And the Apostle Paul, he presented this problem. He read, let me say it like this, he read our mail. I found myself not doing what I need to be doing and doing what I don't need to be doing. And the Holy Spirit will wear you out about it. We looked at Galatians 5 and 16, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is constant. It's continuous. Trying to pull us off of our walk with the Lord. But Paul says if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. I went over that, but i got to reiterate it, that walking in the Spirit is a pattern that I pattern my life after. Monday through Saturday and even on Sunday. 
We walk in the Spirit. You ever notice how you're the, sometimes you're the maddest on Sunday morning? Okay, you don't got to amen that. <laughs> you know, fighting and arguing in the car, and when you get here, slam the door and walk in, got a big smile on my face. It all ends because I don't want the folks I go to church with to know that I, have, that I got angry this morning. That's okay. And so, walking in the Spirit has patterned my life after this way. I place my faith in Jesus and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. I have the help of the Holy Spirit. I have a comforter that's here to lead God and direct me. And I mess up at 10 o'clock or whatever. I go back. God, forgive me for what I've done and help me. And then I go back about life. I'm going to mess up again. God, forgive me for what I've done and change that in me. Change that in me. Now, don't do it on purpose and ask forgiveness later. Amen. Something you may not know is that God is not ignorant. He knows because he's looking upon the heart. But I pattern my life this way. I'm not going to re-preach that, but that's the way that I pattern my life. But today let's look because we need that flowing of grace. And we need to, uh, without the flowing of grace, you can't grow in God. I want to just be plain. The only way that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord is that we have a flowing of grace. And the only way that grace can flow is that your faith is in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, that's where we have to start. So today, let's look at more. Again, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of travel through some scriptures like I did uh, last week and highlight some things. But there's some things that the Lord has done that I want to show us in order that we might continue to press toward the mark. Look, I, I got no reason to believe that you started out living for the Lord and now you want to give up and quit. But I got to tell you, even more so as a pastor, I don't want to sit and watch things that God has done in your life and then watch you throw it all away and start living in the world again. I know that's not really what you want. And unless we reinforce truths and give you something that will edify your faith, you have nothing to feed off of. And so uh, this morning, we're going to look at this because we're going to be pressing toward the mark, becoming Christ-like and what Jesus uh, desires for us to be. Now, I'm trying to get, I'll get to being Christ-like because I want to be a witness for Christ. I want a new life. I want somebody to be able to see the light that is showing in me and that reflection. And so let's look back real quickly. Verses 5 through 8, and let me set a, a foundation here in, in, our, in our text. Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. The Apostle Paul here, here's what I want you to see. He's reflecting on his life before Christ. He wants you to know, he wants us to know, the reader to know who he was before Christ. He says, look, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of the stock of, the, of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. He's one of the twelve tribes. He's a purebred. He's a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. In other words, he was purebred. He was not, I don't mean this in a wrong way, but he wasn't crossbred. He wasn't grafted in as re, in regards to the, the original Israel Jew people. He was one of them. He was as purebred as what you get. He said, my, my blood runs a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And then he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, I'm blameless. Nobody was more zealous of me than the law. Nobody was more pointing to righteousness in the law than what I was. He says, I, I was above every of all of them. Verse number 7, he says this, But what things were gained to me, they were a loss for Christ. Because everything that he'd done in the flesh, everything that he tried to build a life of outside of Jesus Christ, he said it was a loss. In other words, Brother Swaggart sings a song that says wasted years. Before you come to Jesus, it was nothing but wasted years. It was a life of void, a life of vain. It was a life that had no uh, in conclusion that was a benefit to anybody. He says, I counted all the lost. I wasted all this time. And then he goes a little plainer in verse number 8. I like this. He says, yea, doubtless. I caught all things a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now that I have the knowledge of Jesus Christ without a doubt. Get that. Without a doubt they're a loss. And then he says this. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but dung. Now get this. They're not just a loss. But they're so worthless, he couldn't come. I'm going to be a little blunt and a little plain this morning. I can't come up with a better word than just absolutely waste. 
They're dung. Everything I've done without Christ is absolutely dung. He counts them as dung that I may win Christ. You get that? Verses 8, 5 through 8. Now look at verses 9 and 10. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He gives us a great, he gives us a great plea. I just now, before I wanted to be zealous of the law. I wanted to persecute believers. I wanted to everybody to know I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm of the tribe of the of Benjamin. But now all I want to do is be found in Him. I just want to be found in Christ. I want to know that when God looks at me that I have been baptized into Jesus Christ. I just want to be found in Christ. He says, and now I want the righteousness which is of God. There is no righteousness outside of the righteousness of Christ. You don't have your own righteousness. I don't have my own righteousness. You don't want to stand before God placing everything that you have in your own ability. There is no righteousness in man. The only righteousness that we can have is the righteousness of Christ. And I have that righteousness clothed with that righteousness of Christ if I place my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Verse 10. That I may know him. And, and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Verses 9 and verse number 10. He's telling us uh, his desire now that he came to the Lord. He says I want to be found in him. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. And I want to be conformable. I want to be moldable unto his death. In other words, he's talking about, I just want him to conform my life into the new life that was promised to me to be resurrected in the newness of life. In Romans 6 and verse number 4. This is what I want. I want what Jesus wants for me. And in order to do that, I've got to be conformable. Not in my notes, but I want to tell you this. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen, I brought this out before, a potter sitting at a potter's wheel. He's sitting at the potter's wheel. That mold, that mud that he gets, it's hard as a rock. He can't do anything with it. He throws it up there and there's a clump. All of a sudden, I've seen him try to make a piece of pottery, a bowl. And he starts spinning it on that wheel and he starts forming it like he wants to form it. But if you look at his foot, the whole time his foot is pumping water. Water is a type of the Holy Spirit. That water is keeping that, it's keeping it moldable and conformable. If the water ever stops, the mud goes back to being hard one more time. The water continues to flow on my heart as long as I keep my faith in Jesus and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary. The Apostle Paul, when he said, I want to be conformable, he says, I just want to be on the potter's wheel and I want that flowing of the Holy Spirit and I just want Jesus to do whatever He wants to do in my life. And that ought to be our desire. That's what he tells us. And then verse number 11 and 12, he says this, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that which I was apprehended of Christ Jesus. In verse number 11, the word attend, it literally means arrive. In other words, Paul knew he saved. Aren't you glad you know that you saved this morning? He knew he saved, but he knew another great truth that, I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm just going to be blunt, that most of the religious world does not know today, and that is this, Though I'm saved, I'm not arrived. I'm not a finished product. I'm not perfect. I'm not, he's not done. He turned me down just a little bit. I'm not, he's not done with me yet. There's still some things. Listen, I'm telling you of a truth this morning, and I've been pastoring for 15 years, but there's still some things in Steve Alexander's heart that needs to be changed. I'm not arrived yet. I'm not where God wants me to be at just yet. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not attained to the things. And then he goes on and he says, not only that, but I've not yet apprehended what I was apprehended for. The word apprehended means arrested or eagerly seized. On the road to Damascus, the Lord shined down on him with a great light. He was blinded. He called out to the Lord. The Lord said, why you kick against the pricks, Paul or Saul? Why do you keep kicking against the pricks? He said, Lord, what do you have me to do? His was stopped on his journey to Damascus, and the Lord moved up on his heart. 
All of a sudden, he says, I was arrested. I was eagerly seized. But he says, though I have been eagerly seized for this, I have not yet seized everything that God has for me. I'm not there yet. Man, for an apostle to be so plain with us and to tell us, it ought to, re- it ought to uh, uh, tell us something in our own heart, in our own life. I'm not attained. I'm not arrived. I'm not seized everything that God has for me yet. I'm not there yet. And then he goes on in verses number 13 and verse number 14. I'm going to read it, but I'm going to come back to that. I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't seized it yet. But this one thing I do, I will forget those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things that are before. I press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But I want to stop right here and I want to tell you this. There's some things that we need to know and it's in my spirit to bring out that between verses 12 and verse number 13. He says, I'm not there yet. How many would admit, and you don't got to raise your hand, that we're not there yet. We've not yet attained everything that God wants us to attain. We're not yet. We've still got some things that needs to be changed in our heart. But the Apostle Paul said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to press toward the mark. That cross is the mark. I'm going to press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God. Here's my message today. There's a reason we can press toward the mark. Because God has done some things in our life that allows us to press. And it's, not, it's actually not a word of works. But it allows us to press toward the mark. And that's where I want to be at this morning. I want to bring out some things to prove to you. And I can't, uh, the time would fail me to bring out everything. But uh, to, to show us that we're able to press toward the mark. Verses 5 through 8 talks about his former life. It was a waste. Verses 9 and 10, a desire to be conformed unto Christ Jesus. It says to be found in Him, to know Him, to be conformed, to attain, and to apprehend. But before we get to verse 13 and 14, it actually press. Let me travel through some scripture. Let me pull out some things. Because all of us, listen. I'm going to be blunt again. There's only two reasons we're not pursuing after the things of God. One reason is... That we're not having a daily walk. Our relationship with God is broke. We're in a backslidden condition. The other reason is we're not born again. Did anybody ever pursue after the things of God when you were lost in the world? There's only two reasons. We quit. Is that okay? We've set off our walk with God or we're not born again. So this morning, God has made a way we can pursue after these things. So Let's look at these things. I want to I demonstrate, I want to illustrate a couple of things. Pursuing after the high calling of God. Lane, would you help me this morning? I'm going to set you here front and center. After the, the high calling of God. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9. I want you to look at that scripture. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? This is how I know that people that give the advice, you need to follow your heart. Well, they don't know Jesus. They can't be saved. Because if you encourage somebody to follow their heart, this is what we're doing. Follow that which is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's what we're telling them. I want you to follow after the uh, wickedness and that which is deceitful. Our heart, because we were born with a sin nature, is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I ain't going to go any further, but it's the Lord that tries the reins of our heart. The Lord is the only one that truly knows our heart. And I'll be the first one to admit, especially before I came to the Lord, I'm so glad that God was the only one that knew what was really in my heart. Amen. Aren't you glad this is between me and, I don't know if ain't is a proper word there, but it's a good preaching word anyway. I'm glad that this is just between me and the Lord. Because if you've seen what was really in my heart, you wouldn't sit out there and listen to me. Amen. I'm preaching good. It's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? I want you to see something here. Who can know my heart? Well, Pastor Brian or Brother West, one of you grab that stuff for me, please. There's a black heart in there. I want to give you a visual. Place that on your son. 
He gets him a necklace this morning. Deceitfully wicked. All right? The heart is deceitfully wicked. We've established this. I want to go to Ezekiel 36 and 26. Here's what. This is things that the Lord's going to do. We're starting here. We've got to start with the foundation. This is why God's got to do what He's got to do. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Before I come to the Lord, I was the clump of mud sitting on the potter's wheel without any water, and I've been there a long time, and I was hard-hearted to anything that God wanted to do in my life. Are we there? You understand? I, was, I had a stone. There should be a stone in there. Y'all help me out. Or over there by the, by the wall. I had a stony heart. Brother Lane wants to hold that up for us so that everybody can see. I had a stony heart. A hard heart. This is literally what it means. And the Lord could do nothing with it. You're in art class, and I want you to form something out of that. Very good. You just got an A. What am I supposed to do with this? Do you know what? That's what the Lord does with us. What, a, what am I supposed to do with this? It's a stony heart. There's absolutely nothing that I can form out of a stony heart. I'm trying to tell you what the Lord's done for you so you can press toward the mark. This is what He's done. Lane's got a heart of, flat, a heart of stone. And all of a sudden, he gives him a heart of flesh. That's a wad of Play-Doh. He gives him a heart of flesh. Make something out of it. Make a ball. Can you make a ball? We have a heart of stone. We have a heart of flesh. That's why you don't enter anything in the art division in the state fair. We have a ball. Heart of stone. I know it's elementary, but do you understand? Heart of flesh. Do you know what the Lord can do with this? Anything He wants to do with it. You know why? Now it's pliable. I'm talking about pressing toward the mark. He can't do anything with this because it's a weight. We won't listen if our heart, if our heart is hard. We're not listening to Him. We won't follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit because our heart is hard to the things of God. So God says, here's what i got to do. His heart is deceitfully wicked. So the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to take this mess out and I'm going to give and put in him a heart that I now can work with. And if it's a heart of flesh, a heart that is pliable, God can take that and do anything he wants to with it. I want to tell you today, young people, even adults, uh, there's not anything that God cannot do in your life if you've got a heart that is pliable today. Amen. Nothing that God can't do. There's nothing he can't do. So that's one of the things that God does. You can set that off to the side. He makes us a heart of flesh. Now he can work with that. I want to show you another scripture here. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3. Baptized into Christ. And when he baptized us into Christ. Don't got an illustration here because I don't think Lane wants me picking him up and breaking him over my. He's saying try it buddy. Don't you know that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. Were baptized into his death. Watch this. Here's where we're at. We got a wicked heart. He, we had a heart of stone. He took the stony heart out. He gave us a heart of flesh that's pliable. And he says this, I'm going to baptize you into Christ and baptize you into his death. You know why? Because it will break the power that sin had over your life. See, we're all either a servant of sin or we're a servant of righteousness. We're nothing, let me just say it like this, before we came to Christ, we ain't nothing but a puppet on a string. The devil's doing, reigning on our heart like a king, doing whatever he wants to do. He's got them strings, and the Lord comes in here and cuts the strings off. And now, with the power of sin being broken in our heart and in our life, we no longer have to serve sin. Something we got to believe. I don't have to serve sin, I have something greater. Where sin did abound, grace does much more. Grace doesn't just abound, grace does much more abound. Way more abound. So much greater. And so now, here's where we're at. Is this okay? 
took out my deceitful heart. Now I had a deceitful heart. He started, he made me a heart of flesh. Or uh, took out the stony heart, gave me a heart of flesh. He's broke the power in sin. You know why? Because he just wants me to press toward the mark. Unless he does some things in my heart and in my life, there's no way I'll ever reach the, the prize of the high calling of God. And so now here's where I'm at. and I'm, I'm skipping and hopping here and just pulling some things. But in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 11, watch this. In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision that is made without hands and putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. That confused, can, can we bring that red heart? Take the black heart off, put the red heart on, and put the black heart back on. Stand up for me, Lane. You're a lot better at this than your dad. You can hand him back the play, though. There's his ball he made, Dad. <laughs> Looks more like oh, a heart. Okay, good job. All right, watch this. He says this. You're circumcised with a circumcision that's made without hands. Circumcision, the Apostle Paul, he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day. If we was to back up, we would have seen where he talked about that a little bit. If you go to Ephesians 2 and 11, it talks about it also. But circumcision here was coming into covenant. All of the, the boys of the stock of Israel, on the eighth day they were circumcised. And I want you to think about this and be mature. But literally, circumcision is cutting off of the foreskin of the male. The reason they did that is because when you cut it off, blood's going to be shed. And the flesh is going to be cast away. When he talks about circumcision, he's literally meaning there's got to be a bloodshed. And there's got to be a parting of the flesh or the fleshly desires. And so Paul said, you know what? I'm now in covenant with God because he made a circumcision on my heart, a circumcision that was made without hands. In other words, he cut away the deceitful heart, the fleshly heart. He cut it away, and now I have a heart that is a heart after God. My heart that was deceitful is now a heart that is pure. Look, this is what he's done so far. I feel like I've lost you already. This is what he's done so far. He's seen our deceitful heart. He took that deceitful heart. He took out the heart of stone. He gave us a heart of flesh. He broke the power of sin that is in our life. And then he came and he took away that deceitful heart and gave us another heart that is a heart that is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now, now that he circumcised my heart with a circumcision that is made without hands, I'm a little bit more equipped of reaching toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Now I've got to turn to this. One more scripture and I'll, I'll quit. Psalms 37 and verse number 4. Psalms 37 and verse number 4 may be one of the most interpreted scriptures in the Bible. Delight yourself in the Lord, delight thyself also in the Lord, and shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I want to ask you an honest question. We're talking. After you got saved, what happened to your desires that you had? They changed. Do you know how many people is looking at let me have them bowls, please? Their desires. Hold that one for me. Their desires, this represents my old heart. They're looking at their desires, their, heart, their desires of the flesh. Look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. And pulling them out and reading them. Oh, if I delight myself in God, he's going to give me that new vehicle. If I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me that new diamond ring. You know, that ain't one of my desires, okay? Unless I was going to give it to my wife. If I delight myself in the Lord, He's going to give me that 500-acre ranch up there that I'm wanting. If I delight myself in God, after supper, it's going to be a fresh pecan pie made by my mom. Look, fleshly desires. I've heard minister after minister stand up and say, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. God's going to give me that brand new motorcycle or that brand new. Look, if you, 
If you're delighting yourself in the Lord and still got fleshly desires first, something's wrong. Something is wrong. When I gave my heart and my life to the Lord, my desires was to please God and to be everything that God wanted me to be. You know what God did with my, can we take, we got some scissors. Cut that in strips for me real quick. You know what God did with my old uh, desires? When I delighted myself in the Lord, it means to approach God in an intimate way. It means to approach God with great joy because we're thankful for everything that He's done for me and everything that He continues to do in me. Do you know what God did with my desires? Throw it in there. That'd be fine just like that. This is what God did with my desires. I gave my heart to the Lord and God went. Because He's going to give you some new desires. Some new desires. I delighted myself in the Lord, and now He shall give me the desires, not of my flesh. My, my old heart's gone, not of my flesh. He's not going to give me the desires of the world. He's not going to give me the desires uh, that I'm lusting after. If I delight myself in the Lord, He's going to give me the desires, puts in some new desires of my heart. And when I start to look at my new desires, I got a desire to lay aside anger and my rotten attitude. I got a desire now to love the Lord my God with all of my heart and with all of my soul. I got a desire to love my neighbor as I have loved uh, myself. Uh, I have a desire to be ye holy because I am holy. I got a desire to come out from among them and be ye separate. Uh, if you've still got fleshly desires, something is wrong. He put some new desires in, Brother Matt. Now i got new desires. I've got the desires of the Lord. I want to show you something in just a little bit. Well, is God trying to strip away all of our dreams? Is He trying to strip away everything uh, about living an abundant life now? No, He's not doing that. But I want you to understand that if our desires are not the things of God first, then the circumcision of the heart has bound Something has been badly wrong. Now I want to tell you, I want to show you this. I want you to look at all he's done. He took my deceitful heart that lusted after the things of the world and after the flesh. He took it. He took my stony heart out of me. He gave me a heart of flesh that he can be pliable now. He did a circumcision made without hands, ripped off. The things of the flesh cut off the desires of the flesh and give me a heart now that is after the things of God. He changed all of my desires so now that I desire after the Lord. You know why God's done all the time would fail me to tell you about us being adopted with the spirit of adoption and no longer under the spirit of bondage. I could talk about being grafted in like a wild olive tree and go on and on and on. There's so much that God has done, but here's what I want you to know and understand. God does a spiritual surgery on us to cut away the desires of the flesh just so that we can press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God. We do not have an excuse of why we can't live for the Lord. We don't have an excuse. God done all of this and more just so that we can be exactly what He wants us to be. Press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God. I got, I got to come back. You can be seen. I, I got to come to back, back to that in just a little bit. Now look at verse number 13. Now that He's done all of this, He says this, I count not myself to have apprehended in other words, Paul is saying, even though the Lord has done all of this in my life, I have still not laid a hold of everything God has for me. I'm still not there. He done all of this so that I can begin my walk, but I'm not there yet. I'm not yet apprehended. But watch this. This one thing, this number one thing that I do, this is the number one. This is above all. The number one thing that I do right here, I will forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things that are ahead. Another word, it's this. This is what he literally meant. Everything in life 
that brought me great joy and I thought I had peace in before. Everything that I found contentment in, everything that I thought that life was all about, I'm going to forget all of these things. And I'm going to reach forward to things that He's already set and placed in my heart. Listen, there is no true joy in the world. There's no true peace in the world. There is not true contentment in the world. These things only come from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to forget all this mess. How many times in life have we already tried everything we know to try and it's still not working? Why do we keep picking up the old things? Why do we keep picking up the worldly things? They're not worked yet. And now I'm reaching forward to those things. Verse number 14, look at this. He says, press toward the mark toward the prize of the high calling of God. I don't have time to teach that like I would like in Christ Jesus. But in verse number 14, I'm headed to my prize. I'm headed to eternal life. I'm headed to everything that Jesus has paid for me on the cross of Calvary. But I want you to know this, that press is not like, press is not like a, now that he's, you can set that down and stand up, press is not like a work. You look at the word here, it does mean to pursue. Stand up for me, please. It means to pursue, turn back to back. That's where we're going. It means to pursue. <laughs> Lord's had to do that with me a few times too, it's okay. <laughs> Turn around, just get right behind me. We're going that way. How many times God had to go, mm, get back there, boy. Now, trying to be serious, I promise. That's where we're going. The prize of the high calling of God. I want to make it to heaven. I want my award and my reward. And I also want to little by little become, be changed into the image of Jesus Christ that he's planned on me being, okay? Pursue is... Our, our, our uh, pressing means to pursue. But when we look at the word that press comes from, and again, simple strongs, you need to look at it. It literally means to pursue as a servant. Pursue as a servant. So if he's pursuing as a servant, he's not having, get a stance. He's not having to press like this. I'm not having to press my way through life. The Lord didn't save me to go all of a sudden make me have to press and fight and struggle with every move that I make. That's not Christianity. He does make you have patience, and I'm not too kind of fond of that, but it's a lot better than having to fight my way through. So I'm not having to press as in to press. But when I pursue as a servant, press toward the mark. It literally means when we're walking in the Spirit, we're following after the Lord. The Holy Spirit is leading us. So if Lane wants to take a step toward that because he wants to become Christ-like, he's not going to look to the right, not going to look to the left. He's not going to be back here playing around doing his own thing. He's going to be looking and waiting for a moment that he can pursue the prize of the high calling of God. And as soon as he sees a little bit of room, he's going to pursue that room and come a little bit further. Now God will take you one step at a time because he wants to stop and do a little bit of work and a little bit of surgery on you from time to time. But the thing about it is, as long as I keep my faith in Christ, allow Him to have His perfect work, when the Lord makes a step, I can make a step. When He goes forward, I can go forward. When He continues to press, I can press and pursue the mark. As long as I'm following after Jesus Christ, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. This is all that He's done for me. He took a stony heart out. He gave me a heart that was pliable. He circumcised my heart with the things of the flesh. Give me a heart that's after God. He says, now, now I can press. I will pursue after the things of God. Listen, what excuse do we have that we're not being changed into the image of Christ? I got to back up and pick up one thing. Elaine, I know I broke that. Elaine is... Grab this book here. A couple of things here. I'm going to pick back up. Not that we pick up back up things in the flesh, but just hang on with me just for a second. A couple of things here that I pick back up. 
All right? The reason I've done that is because this is what I've learned in my life. I delight myself in the Lord. He gives me the desires of my heart. I'm pressing toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God. And you know what God done with me? Let me just say it like this. When I first got, when me and Sister Becky first got married, when we first got married and I was called into the ministry, here's what the Lord done. Since I was 12 years old, horses have been a part of my life. When my mom and dad brought that first horse in, I literally could change clothes after school because we didn't play in our school clothes. Not unless you wanted a whooping, and I didn't want that. I could change clothes faster than Clark Kent Superman. I'd go in, change my clothes, fly to the barn to jump on that horse. It was, and they've been a part of my life. They're still a passion of mine. When I got married and God called me in the ministry, if this represented my love for horses, you know what God did? When me and Sister Becky got married, I owned one of the best horses that I ever had. One of the best horses. I actually broke the horse as a colt. wasn't mine. I broke him as a colt, and I always thought, if I ever got a chance to own a horse like this, I mean, he was just right. I wanted that, wanted that horse something fierce. Wind up getting an opportunity to buy that horse. I bought that horse. Best horse. I mean, done everything in the world. Caught a lot of cows and everything on just perfect. When we got married, I had my love for horses. God called me in the ministry. You know what he did? He took that, me having horses. He cast it aside. For the first time in my life, I didn't own a single horse. I didn't know then what God was doing, but I do now that he was getting me ready for ministry. He was getting me ready for ministry. When the time was right, we had a bumpy road there for a little while. When the time was right, and I finally answered, I didn't have the horse to go to. I didn't have nothing else. And I finally said, okay, Lord. And I put my faith and trust back in Christ, and I began to follow after the ministry. Is this okay? I began to follow after the ministry, and I had my mind and my heart set on pursuing after the things of God. You know what God did? Okay. I'll bring horses back into your life. He put them away until I got my priorities right. When I got my priorities right, he picked it back up when he knew that, when he looked upon my heart and knew that it would never, I have the best horses now that I've ever had. If God asked me to sell them tomorrow and he knows my heart, they'd be sold. He put them back into my, he put them back into my life. The things that I needed, he put back, I don't mean to go on, but I got to tell this also, I hope this is okay, somebody needs to hear it. That Diesel truck of mine I've been driving, bought, had 90,000 miles on it when I bought it. I've been driving it now. It's got 323,000, 4,000-something miles. But I work in that thing a lot, and I get dirty, and I get filthy. And me and Sister Becky talking, we talked for a long time. I need another truck that I can use church stuff. I can use and, and, and get in and out with suits. I need a truck. We go look at them. Look at a brand new truck. I said, you know, if anything would work just for this. Look at a brand new truck. Several thousand dollars, I thought. I'm thinking they lost their mind, but everybody else is buying one. But you know what? It got to the point where I needed that truck. I needed that vehicle in order, and not going into a lot of detail, but for some things, we needed another vehicle. And so I begin to talk to the Lord. God, I, I need that. If I just have what I wanted and let the flesh take over, I would go over and rack myself up on a, on a new three-quarter ton crew cab Ford. No, it ain't been on my mind. That's what I wanted. So God, I, I really could use a truck because we need this other truck to do these other things and I could use a truck. 
I come in from deer hunting. We've been looking for probably a year. I said, I'm not going to do it. I will not. Well, we can do, we can do a payment. No, I'm not going to let a payment hinder me from giving to the work of God because that's still more important. I'm not going to do that. Come in from deer hunting on a Friday night. I feel like I lost you, and I don't mean just to be story time, but I, I feel like I need to tell you this. A lady called me that we got acquainted with, her and her husband. She said, would you be interested in my husband's truck? And I said, no, ma'am. I, he's got a wonderful, it's a great truck, nice truck. I can't afford it. I'm not going to pick up another payment. Would you come over and visit with us? I said, yeah, I guess we could come over. Been visiting with them, been talking to them, been praying with them. We went over to Jonesboro and went to their house and talked to them. And when I walked in, they said, we want you to drive that truck. I said, ma'am, I'll be wasting my time. I'm not a buyer. I'm not going to buy the truck. I'm not, I can't afford it. I don't want to stretch myself out too much. She said, we want you to have that truck. And I said, well, thank you, but it's not happening. She said, drive it. So you don't tell your elders no over and over. So I got in the seat of this truck, 13 model, F-150 with 13,000 miles, brand new truck. Drove it, came back, Sister Becky said, what'd you think? I said, I shouldn't have drove it, that's what I think. I went back in and I told her, I said, it's nice, but I'm not a buyer. And she said, we intend for you to buy that truck. Give me a price. I don't tell my personal business, but give me a price that was absolutely less, way less than half of what that truck would have cost brand new. Way less. Way below trade-in value. Way below. She said, that's what we want you to give us for that truck. And I said, I'm not going to. I said, no, ma'am, I don't feel right about doing that. She said, that's what we want. I'm talking about delighting herself in the Lord this morning. Just for a moment. Her son was there, and I said, why don't you buy that truck? He said, I don't need it. I have a new truck I just bought. Got a lot of extra stuff on it. I can't afford that. Can't afford both of them. They want you to have this truck. And I told her, thank you, but no thanks. And I went home. I felt bad. Called me a couple days later and said, you ready to come get that truck? And I thought, ma'am, she needs to turn her hearing aid up or something. It's... I said, no, ma'am, we're not. She said, well, when you get ready, it's here from you. We prayed about it. Feel like the Lord. I called my dad, talked to him about it. Called Brian, I talked to him about it. And finally, we went over there. And it got through my hard head. You know what it did? The Lord seen that I needed something. Delighting myself in the Lord. And it was something that I, I needed. He picked it back up. Said, okay. You know what God does? He's not trying to kill your dreams. He's not trying to kill your makeup, your character. All he's trying to do is to get us to keep him as a priority. And when we make his things a priority, he starts adding back. Little by little. And while God's adding back, we're sitting here. Let me do this. Following after the things of God, we're pressing toward the mark. And as God sees me following, he reaches down. He adds a little something else. And it gives me another opportunity to say, God, I don't deserve it. But I thank you for everything that you've just done. And we keep pressing toward the mark. Toward the prize of the high calling of God. Little by little, God's not cheating me. God's not robbing me. If I put my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross first, he's adding things back that he had to take out in the beginning. But all in all, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, changed into an image where I can love, an image where I can be holy, an image where I don't have a desire to be a part of the old crowd, but to be separated from him. I want you to know this morning, I'll leave this with you and I'm going to hush. There is no the truth is anybody and everybody that wants to live for Jesus you can live for God because of everything that he's already provided for you on the cross of Calvary took out our stony heart gave us a heart of flesh circumcised the desires of the flesh took out the deceitfulness and set us on a road that we could live for the Lord the apostle Paul says this now I will press toward the mark toward the prize of the high calling of God and I just come to tell you this morning, believer, 
You just gave your heart and life to the Lord last week, week before. And I, I'm even talking to mature believers that, uh, that, that are living for God but are not walking in the Spirit. I want to tell you this morning, everything you need in order to live for God has already been provided for you. No, it may not happen as quickly as what you want it to. It doesn't ever for me anyway. It may not go on as fast as what happened and come together as quick as what I would like for it to. But it will come to me as quick as what I can handle it. As quick as what I can handle it. I just come to tell you this morning, becoming Christ-like, which is my thought, my title, becoming Christ-like is possible because of everything that Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. The greatest help to the church is a believer that is allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them. The greatest hindrance is one that confesses to be a believer, but is not allowing the Holy Spirit to work. In fact, you're not being a servant of Christ. You're the greatest weapon that Satan has if we confess to be one thing that we're not. So this morning, I just come to tell you, you can. Maybe you're discouraged in your walk. Maybe you've come a little ways and quit. Maybe you thought about throwing in the towel. Maybe you're discouraged, don't know how to make the next step. Listen, I want you to know if you'll wait on the Lord, place your faith back in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, you can keep pressing toward the mark and you will reach that prize of the high calling of God. Would you stand with me this morning? Brother Jeff, would you come? Would you bow your head with me this morning and close your eyes as we pray? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful, Lord, for everything that you've done for me, God, and everything that you've done. Lord, that as a believer, that we may be able to walk and to live in your statutes. Lord, to be plain, I know that you know, but life in the flesh is hard sometimes, and there, the trial is great, the mountain is high, Lord, and we're not set here to complain, but we're here, God, just to be real. Lord, sometimes it's more than what we want to handle. Sometimes it's more than what we want to face. But all in all, God, you are faithful to us. And all in all, everything that you've provided for us, God, is still sufficient, Lord, that we may continue to press toward the mark, toward the prize of the high calling of God. I pray this morning, God, that you would help us to forget those things that are behind. And this one thing, reach forward to what you have in store for us. I'm going to ask it in the name of Jesus. With your head still bowed, I want to ask you a question. Well, nobody looking around. You're here this morning. I want you to know that if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with God, God's going to do everything in you that He needs to do in order for you to have a desire for Him and in order for you to live and to walk in His statutes. He's going to circumcise your heart. He's going to take out a stony heart. He's going to put His Spirit within you. He's going to give you a flowing of grace. He's going to do everything. He's going to lead you, guide you, and direct you. He'll do everything that you need done in order for you to live as He's called you to live. This morning, if you're here, and you say, that's what I want. I've tried before, but i failed every single time. I've tried before, but I always fall. But this time can be different. This time, maybe with the understanding of what He's already provided. This time, as you follow after the Lord, you keep pressing toward that mark, toward the prize. That's what we want, that great prize. If you're here this morning, you're not sure about your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've quit walking in the Spirit today. Maybe you're here and you just got tired. You say, I got to pick my walk back up. I got to press toward the mark. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly? Thank you, God, for this hand. Thank you, Lord, for this hand. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else, real quickly? I thank you, God, for this hand. Even if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know this time it could be different when you leave. God, the Holy Spirit is waiting here to baptize you into Christ. If you say you're here and you're not in relationship with the Lord, you say, I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and write back down? 
Real quickly. Real quickly, anybody, thank you, God, for that hand. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else, real quickly. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done this morning. Here's my altar call this morning, and I don't always do it this way. There's been several hands that's went up, and even if you didn't raise your hand, it's a good time to pray. Because if you've not had a hard time pressing toward the mark, the truth of the matter is, there will come a day that you're going to find it a little difficult to press toward the mark. A little hard to stand still and to wait upon the Lord. My altar call is this. Those that raised their hand and those that didn't. But just say, I'm going to take advantage of a time to pray. My God, help me. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. But I pray that you would help me to press toward the mark, to reach the high calling of God. I'm asking you this morning to come. Find yourself a place to pray. And let's call out to the Lord today. Come on, would you come? Several coming already. Would you come today? God, thank you for everything you've done. But I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to help me. Would you come today? You can pray right where you're at, but it's a good time to pray. Why don't you kneel right where you're at? Call out to the Lord today. Come on, let's pray. Go ahead, Brother Jeff. Just as I am If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.